This is a Sharp Old Health podcast and my name is Chris. It was great crack to have this chat with Georgina. Her openness and positive energy never failed to take me in. She's one of those people who make your day just a better one. What a lady. This is a conversation with Georgina O'Connor. So basically, the film business, I think, is kind of the most interesting thing. I worked in the film business for 20 years, so I worked on a lot of productions as a production coordinator, um, as a location manager, as a not a production manager because I didn't want to fight with all of the crew about money and I couldn't go there. So I kind of stayed as a production coordinator uh, for many years and it was great. It was good to me. Got me my house. Um, you know, in the 90s, it was, a, there was, it was kind of a boom time for the film business in Ireland. Mm. Um, Michael D. Higgins, who you know, our now president, um, he basically was appointed Minister for Arts, Culture and the Wales Act in the early 1990s and was involved in, in um, bringing a lot of productions to Ireland and kind of production activity. Brought, brought a lot of production activity in and he negotiated with the army... Um, the reserves down the Curra and County Kildare, where I'm from, um, for to make the, the those guys available to work as extras in the battle scenes uh, for Braveheart. So oh, I heard about that. Yeah. So brought Braveheart in, and I worked on that. That was like one of the that was kind of pretty much the first film I worked on. Um, and then it was just kind of a boom time. I was never out of work. It was like you know all through the 1990s when everybody was raving and all the pals were raving away. Yeah. Um, I was crawling over bodies the next morning to go to work. <laughs> so, yeah. But how did you get into arts? Like, did you come from a, an artistic family? Like, did you grow up with music and everybody was, was playing an instrument in the house? Or? Um, well, um, not really. I, when I was young, um, my mother, who was a young, young mom because she had me young, she would have had me um, in her 20s. So, like, when we were kind of 15, she was only sort of like, in her late 30s, early yeah. 40s. So she yeah. was young and she was involved with musical societies in uh, Kildare, where where we grew up, um, Clay Musical Society, the Mo Club in Nace, which was a, a theatre in, in, in Nace. And she used to bring us along, get us into the shows, a lot of the old musicals, musical theatre, like Showboat, South Pacific, you know, all of those yeah. things. So, yeah, so I think we just always, you know, it was around, there was kind of music and 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 um, that was kind of like a, a, a social outlet for my mom, okay. who was a young mom with loads of little kids. But um, we used to; it was good for us. She recognised that, and we, um, you know, we did dance and singing, and yeah, we were always involved in the musicals. So that's kind of what. And they used people used to tell me, you know, uh, that you're a good organizer, that you're good at it, and I used yeah. to enjoy it. So. When I left school, I applied to study drama, did that for a year, but it didn't really, um, it didn't, didn't really fit with my lifestyle, which was, I was also a bit of a party girl, uh, liked a bit of fun time, lots of <laughs> the crack. Um, so, and they were all a bit serious and dedicated. So um, I, after a year, I went and studied media studies in, um, in Dublin, um, did a course in media and communications and radio production. We were actually doing this back in the day, but it was totally different. <laughs> we had we were doing vo like you know vox pops, 
um, that's one of the things we learned to do. But we were recording on, yeah. you know, the old tape and we used to oh, come yeah, back yeah. and lay it out and slice it up with yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> cut it together and make little radio shows. It's awfully technical work. So there's like, it was. No, with digital, digital um, technology, it's so easy. Like yeah. you just cut and paste and. No, it's um, just. Um, you know, it's also easy, which is still blows my mind today when I can just, you know, open this and uh, have any music that I want in my sure. life. Right sure. I mean, there. the camera you have on your phone is much better than anything yeah. had when they shot Citizen Kane. <laughs> I you know. know, it's so true. <laughs> so, you know, the technology is my blow today. But yeah, yeah, so we we um I studied that for a couple of years and then I went straight into the film business. Um, a friend of my parents, who was a cinematographer, um, was making a film down in West Cork and they were looking for trainees and he said, you know, will you come down? So I was um, worked on a film and then, as I say, Braveheart came. Yeah. That was the following year, I think it was 1994. Uh, Braveheart came to town and, um, you know, I was 20 years old, running around in Dublin with Mel Gibson and all the crew <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, working on massive, big budget Hollywood movie. There was... Yeah. Um, a producer at the time, Morgan O'Sullivan, who was a producer in Ardmore Studios, and he brought a lot of, of uh, he had a lot of LA contacts, uh, 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 contacts, and he brought big shows in, and it just went on from there. worked worked on loads of big films, um, and small ones, and shorts, and then a little bit of unemployment in between. Um, so yeah, it was good to me. But you're so bubbly about the whole thing. Like, <laughs> did you ever? No, I mean, last week I had Tom Portman here, like, and he knew that he wanted to be a musician uh, from the age of 13 on. He just really? knew that's his path, like, mm. and never strayed from it. Like, you're so enthusiastic about what you do, like, and talking about what you did. Like, was that really just not going to work? It was just living the dream to you, or? Um, I, I you know, I didn't really think about it too much. I just, um, I wanted to work and make money. Yeah. Well, of course, that's what you do when you're <laughs> young. You want to buy your first car. Yeah. You're an old banger. But, um, like, I would have done loads of shitty jobs, like, just for the money. Like, yeah. you know, I never had this enthusiasm. But it seems like, uh, the way you talk about it, that you just landed right in there and, and just found the calling in a way, like... Well, hmm, let me think about that for a minute. Was it a calling? I think I just, as I said, I was given an opportunity. Mm. And... Straight away, I liked the money. The money was good. It was, yeah. you know, I was making more money than everybody else. I was working harder, but it was, uh, you know, the crews, we used to have good fun together. Yeah. We'd party a lot, you know. If you we were going away on a, a shoot, you know, down the country, uh, we all lived in houses together and partied every night. I mean, we went to the bar as soon as we wrapped every <laughs> night and we just had a good time. Uh, and we made good money. And back then, the money was good and you would be pay per diems and expenses yeah, and yeah. travel expenses yeah, yeah. and... You know, so uh, I just, I think I just kind of liked working and being independent. I was always kind of an independent type. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't really want to be relying on my mom and dad. Um, nowadays, things are very different, of course, because <laughs> it's harder for children and young yeah, people to become independent. Yeah. But when I was young in the 1990s, I mean, we just left home, you know, when we were 19 and we didn't yeah. go back. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we had the opportunities. I mean, I'm prepared to see the kids uh, into their 40s living at home, like, because where are they going to go? Like, for a lot of kids, it's really yeah. hard. You know, the, the, the times we grew up in, like, you know, they were just fantastic. You just try it out. We didn't have much money to begin with, but it was always good crack. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you always had a fiver for a couple of beers and 
you took it from there? Look, like, we used to go out with... possible for this fit, Like, we'd have £10 and you'd have a yeah. night out. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you, <laughs> you make it work, like... And the kids these days, like, you know, they don't really have the same opportunities. But sorry, I didn't Look, want to no, no, I go mean, off it, on one. It was really just... Um, I liked the film business. a bit of a buzz, you know? You're yeah. around celebrities and, yeah. you know... It was good crack and people were impressed yeah. um, that, you know, you were working on films and, you know, you were making a few quid. So well, I am um, impressed. It was great. And, uh, you know, um, even today, um, you know, people ask me about it. And, you know, I, at the time, I, I, you know, I didn't realize it was, you know, it was anything because you just, you know, it's what I did from yeah. a young age. Um, but, yeah, it was it was really good fun. You made a few quid. So, you know, I just kept going and then you'd be you know, asked to do another one, another one, another one. So, uh, but eventually, you know, um, it gets a bit tiring because it's long hours and when you get a bit older and then, of course, when you have the kids, it's impossible to do. So I'm really lucky now working with Ardon, formerly the Galway Film Centre, in that I'm back working in film, um, you know, and supporting young artists and emerging artists and it's it's a really worthwhile organisation. What do, what Um, do they do, actually? In Ardon, there um, there's a few sort of management and administration responsibilities, and also a couple of schemes that we run ourselves and events. So we administer the UNESCO Galway City of Film um, on behalf of Galway City and County. Um, we also administer the RAP Fund, which is a commercial fund for um, investment in film that encouraging films um to be made and film activity to be to 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 work over here in the west um we're also running an event called the fish tv summit um which is for a sort of a networking event for producers emerging producers in the industry who are trying to meet you know get their projects off the ground and meet writers and directors um so it's kind of a networking event and we invite all internationals over um to talk to you know um these sort of young producers and uh, we also run a kind of similar event for the games industry called the uh, fish games summit and that's for um kind of emerging developers and writers for for games so yeah just events schemes we you know as part of the unesco activity we have a couple of uh, projects uh, one of them is a really fun project called the 48 hour film challenge um, which is where s- groups of filmmakers come together to write, produce, direct, edit a, a short film in 48 hours, which is really fun. So they're given like a prop they're, um, and they're just kind of sent off into Galway. And, you know, it's just really fun, creative event. And then there's a screening at the end and then there's a prize, small prize. So are those filmmakers actually going out with um, a camera? Yeah. And basically cast on the way and develop the plot on the way yeah. because they only have 48 hours. Yeah. And then they'll be given another or they have to give themselves a couple of hours to edit whatever they, exactly. they shot. And present it then after 48 hours, yeah. So it's, yeah, that's it. It's really intense. <laughs> and they stay up all night and they have really yeah, of course, good fun. Yeah. And they, you know, <laughs> a lot of them just kind of use it as a sort of a social get-together activity. <laughs> as you would. Fun. But also it's just in, intensely kind of creative activity, you know, yeah. where you're kind of forced to, to, to come up with an idea yeah. and to, to write a script in a short space of time. Yeah. So... 
Um, and you know, some of the you know previous participants would have gone on to do to do bigger things. I don't have the all of the stats on that at the moment, yeah. but you know, it's 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 kind of it's worthwhile. But how do you how, how do you get as a filmmaker like say um, how do you get into this? Like, is it advertised somewhere, or do do those mm. people approach you, or do you approach them? Do you go to the colleges, or uh, yeah, how, how well, do you go about it? Like, well, we uh, we put out a call. We put out a, a you know a call for. Uh, anybody who's interested to get involved okay. on social media and yeah often it's it's students um obviously there's a couple of there's at least two film schools in Galway I think NUIG have a course and yeah. the building that I work in at the moment in the ATU design campus there is a film school there as well so um the Houston School of Film and Digital Media so there's a lot of film students around um mm. you know in Galway and they know about it then yeah through the and they know about it like, exactly yeah. and they come together and it's a lot of fun it's a fun yeah. weekend so and how is that funded is that funded by the taxpayer or um, well we're our organization is funded primarily by Screen Ireland ah, okay and also Galway City and County ah, okay so and the Department of Arts Culture and Wealth so but the, the the UNESCO activities we get some money from the um, arts office yeah. in Galway City and some money from the arts office in Galway County and then um, that's one of the activities there's also a bursary available for short documentary yeah. filmmakers um, and then we're involved also in uh, running the National Talent Academy for Film and Television, um, which is another sort of scheme that we administer on behalf of Screen Ireland. And that is a lot of training initiatives, courses for writers and directors and producers above the line talent that would be emerging. So a lot of opportunities there as well. So it's it's purely non-profit. It is whatever yeah. uh, money could be generated. And I'm sure you're not generating an awful lot anyway. Like it's really yeah. going into the arts uh, for yeah. the uh, for the furtherment of of the arts in general. Like yeah, that's we're, it. Yeah, we're, which we're, I think actually is is like from the way say the times we grew up were give or take the same age. Obviously, you're ten years younger, but yeah. um, it's. Um, <laughs> There was so much more money available, I think, and so much more scope and time for um, being educated in the arts in school mm. um, than there seems to be nowadays. Like, I mean, it was so accessible for us to learn instruments, to go on theatre productions, to actually go around and visit theatres. I mm. mean, living in the city helps, like, but um, there was never um, a financial obstacle to to anyone, to any young person, like, you know, mm -hmm. whatever their socioeconomic background, to actually go into the arts, whatever they were into, like. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I think it's it's like that today as well. And that's one of the things that we in Ardon are, you know, focused on is inclusion and diversity and making sure yeah. all of the community <laughs> is is included in, in the schemes and is, is that all of the schemes and activities are accessible to everybody. Yeah. And in fact, you know we 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 encourage sort of you know marginalized groups and minority groups to get involved and yeah. i see quite a lot um of you know that kind of um that kind of thing with arts organizations like what's the one that's there um that, that i see being advertised at music generation oh, yeah, Galway yeah. city and county yeah. yeah they have a lot of instrument classes yeah. for people in and i know they do a lot in Galway community yeah. college which is across the road from us um, there's Music for Galway, um, which is another fantastic arts organisation. They're involved in um, a lot of, you know, sort of chamber music and bringing, mm. bringing 
orchestras and composers and interesting, you know, classical musicians to go away for, you know, and yeah. and they have kind of a lot of concerts which are, you know, really reasonably priced so that everybody can can go. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I just have a different perception of it because obviously being a city boy, like, um, yeah. it's, it's logistics too. I mean, yeah. I didn't really think about it when I asked the question, like, yeah. when you're living out in the sticks, like, you know, you have to get the kids to well, well, wherever it is. They oh, have to you be, do. Like, we do a lot of driving, don't we, Chris? Yeah. And there's an awful lot of driving to this and that, but I'm one of those moms that do that. I drive to court <laughs> every Wednesday for my children's music classes and I make yeah. sure I get them involved. But yeah, there's a lot of driving living yeah. out here. Uh, but but Music Generation actually had a, I think they were they ran a scheme in Kimbara at one point. All right, yeah. I didn't yeah, know they that. had some brass musicians teaching like trumpet, and yeah. I wanted one of my boys to do for saxophone. Yeah. He wouldn't do it, like, but um, I don't think they had a saxophone player. But there's a couple of uh, they had trumpet players. Um, but there's a couple of saxophone players around. All right. See, this is all new to me because we came to Canberra four years ago. And two is that of all? I feel like you've been here longer than that. Yeah, well, I mean, and two of those years were COVID-like, you know. So oh, well, that's we're it. just getting to know the yeah. place. And Greens has opened for the first time in, I don't know how I many know. years. Like, so Is that the first time you've been to Greens? No, 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 no. no. Oh. I was the last one to actually play guitar in Greens before the first lockdown. Really? <laughs> yeah. But um, no, but it's like I'm just getting to know people like through this podcast as well. Like yeah. um, I'm just finding my feet here. Like, yeah, so I'll Greens just make is... it up. And obviously the kids grow now gives you a lot more mobility, whether you want it or not. Like, yeah. but you're getting around an awful lot more and meet more people and hear different stories. But um, you're handy down here, though. You know, you're you're OK. You're, the kids can cycle to the village from here. So yeah, um, yeah, there's all always something that prevents them from cycling. Ah. The books are too heavy. It looks, <laughs> it looks like rain. I have a flat tire, I told you yesterday. I know. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, uh, I, it's great to see Green's back open. I, I didn't realise it's back open because um, it's just... Yeah, just uh, pub, last those, week or two weeks ago for the Crinium. Whatever goal, whatever back goal would be in a UNESCO yeah. world cinema. <laughs> um those shelves in Greens are a, a UNESCO <laughs> <laughs> heritage yeah. site. They're just fantastic, and all of the bottles, and it's just an amazing pub. But um, I, it took, I didn't realize it's back open, but um, I have a friend of mine who's um, comes here, he's a tourist American guy from Boston. Yeah. He put it on Facebook. He, he put it on social media yeah. that it was Greens back open. I thought, okay, typical. It took a tourist to tell me that the <laughs> local pub was back open. So, uh, straight down for a pint. But it's, it's great to see it back open. I was, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm sad that I never got to see John Prime playing in there, yeah. which apparently he did a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. What a legend. Yeah. And someone, another friend of mine, um, Paul, um, remembers um, John Prime and Chris Christopherson walking down the Moy Road in Canberra. <laughs> um, big, he just saw, you know, the big yeah. coat, yeah. the hat. It was Chris cool. Christopherson. I don't yeah. know if that's true. Is that true? <laughs> it sounds good. We want it to be true. Then. But anyway, back to um, back to Ardon, is it? Uh, yeah. So it was formerly the Galway Film Centre, but we rebranded to Ardon there um, last year. Yeah. So it, Ardon is an... What does Ardon mean? It's an Irish word. It means platform or stage. I figured it was not. You might have seen it. That's why I wasn't so sure about Ardon. (laughs) Ardon. Uh, I actually can't say it right. (laughs) And, um, no, I won't say that. Uh, It's, um, you might see it on the platforms in train stations. Ardon. Ah, okay. uh, Ardon. It's full stage. It's platform. Yeah, because that's what we do. It's a platform for creative talent. So, um, 
you know, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to help people get up there onto the world stage. Uh, and um, there is some some success stories. There is um, <coughs> there is a new TV drama series. You might have seen the posters, Obituary. Um, it's actually a producer from the far side of the water there at Verbo, yeah. Paddy Hayes, who I've worked with. Um, he he um, was at the Fish Summit one year and hooked up with an international... Um, producer and that's a project that came out of that connection um that was made at the at the event so yeah but did you you don't really have to travel anymore i would imagine in your um like when you started out in the film business like um you would have traveled an awful lot um i didn't really travel internationally um you know there was a couple opportunities um but i i I traveled around the country yeah. yeah So we would have gone, now I was living in Dublin and Kildare at the time, yeah. um, a lot of stuff was made around there, but a lot of stuff was made out here in the West, which gave yeah. me my kind of grow. Uh, and oh, that's how you ended up for, here. That's yeah. kind of any other, we made a few, I mean, um, we made a few, yeah, we made a few productions out yeah. here in Connemara. Um, I worked, I worked on, on, on one job um, where I was, when I was young, um, what was the name of that film? Um, I was the Field? A, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it was worth the point, uh, wasn't it? It was. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Rem- I'm trying to remember the name. It was a comedy. Um, Janine Garofalo was the um, main actress. You might know her. She's like a little comedy uh, Los Angeles um, act, uh, um, actress. Um, she was a stand-up comedian and an actress, and um, I actually was her stand-in and her double. Oh really? On that film, yeah. I'm trying to think. That I actually should have it here somewhere. Um, can't remember the name, but it was comedy. It didn't really go yeah. anywhere. Um, but Dennis Leary was in that as well. So right. met a few, uh, uh, met a few uh, stars along the way. My my children are often impressed that um, I met two two very famous actors that I that I would have met over the years. Richard Harris uh, um, on a film called this is the sea that by mary, sounds fun by mary mcguckin um who I, i don't know i don't know if i even ever saw the film uh-huh. um uh, but richard harris was on that um cool. god rest him and he was cool he bought me a pint at the dockers pub <laughs> in dublin and uh, oh, i worked on a, a production of dancing at lunasa as well and michael gambon was I, in that <laughs> and meryl street but michael gambon my, my, my otis said to, i heard otis telling somebody one day my mom met two um dumbledores Because both of them, um, you know, have played Dumbledore. So in the Harry Potter movies. But um, so, yeah, it was um, it was an interesting time. It was all it's all a bit of a haze now. You know, it was like I had uh, a couple of weeks because, ago. As we I can't said, at, the, at the same time on the sidelines, I was yeah. kind of, you know, we were raving in the 90s and it was kind of like left field underworld, the prodigy orbital, you know, on the weekends yeah, 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 yeah. and then going to work. Um, But yeah, we traveled. We traveled ar- around the country a bit, but um, I didn't go really. There was one or two opportunities to go outside of the country, yeah. but I took a break in 1999 and went. It was 1998. I went traveling. Yeah. It was very easy to do back then yeah. as well. Um, yeah, sure. So myself, my friend, um, decided we want to see South America, and we went backpacking. Uh, around South America, cool. very green, very, very fearless and innocent, and just landed in Caracas in Venezuela, <laughs> um, delighted with ourselves. Um, you know, it was we. Uh, you know, it's scary now when I think yeah. about it, looking back. But yeah. we weren't scared at all. We were just. But that's what you do when you're young. You do daft <laughs> shit and hope for the best. I, and the yeah. ones who live can tell a story. Well, it wasn't all that bad. Yeah. Well, I looked on how we lived because. Yeah. Um, You know, we were in some pretty sticky situations, but generally, yeah. you know, the locals 
look after the backpackers yeah. because you know it's in their interest too but uh, you know we, we traveled all around Venezuela down to Colombia down to mm. Ecuador um, back up to Colombia mm. spent you know a year and a half traveling and yeah. you know the hotels are like uh, three pounds a night yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know it was pre-dollarization in 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 Ecuador and it was too crazy and you know the yeah. money was our money was worth so much back yeah. then yeah. and you know the, a lot of these places were just still very 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 you know untouched yeah. um after South America went up to Central America beautiful lakes which I later found out were completely polluted and you can't swim in anymore <laughs> so it was a good time to yeah. travel and be young um and it was, you know, we felt completely safe, although, you know, we would have been stopped by, you know, the local kind of gorilla in the mountains in Colombia going through on the bus. And afterwards, <laughs> people would say, we were so afraid they were going to take you. And um, they didn't. We were just having the crack with them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's desirous thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, this was before the Colombia three. Later, it became more yeah. difficult for people to travel in Colombia, yeah. Irish people to travel in Colombia. When oh yeah 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 sure wasn't there those three girls um that's a good few years ago now isn't it w wasn't one or were the two of them released there recently do you know they smuggled cocaine from oh do you remember that that was in Peru yeah that was the Northern was Irish Peru. girls in Peru that's right yeah that was yeah, crazy yeah. they were they flew from Ibiza to Peru Something and like back that, again yeah. but they didn't look like backpackers yeah, they looked yeah. like ravers yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just kind of you know <laughs> in the airport yeah. raised a few eyebrows and then their suitcases. Um, no, but I'm talking about there was um, later, uh, probably um, it would have been like the early noughties. There was, you know, some links uh, discovered between Republicans and oh, yeah, some of, course, of yeah. the, uh, the, the, the groups the in Colombia. Groups like, yeah, yeah. Uh, guerrilla groups in Colombia. So yeah. they actually just were anti irish for a while and you had to get a specific visa and it was harder to go. Oh, right, yeah. It was harder to go to Colombia then. But um, no, we had some amazing adventures and, you know, really really beautiful beautiful places you know up in the andes with indigenous groups and um you know totally emerged ourselves in the culture learned spanish it was yeah. it was it was a fantastic couple of years and but nice to get home as well after so afterwards. it was basically a decision like to go traveling for yourself yeah. by yourself as opposed to go traveling with work oh yeah exactly yeah, yeah. we but needed the break yeah. exactly right we needed that we sort of needed the break you know, I was working hard, but it, it um, it, we just, it, you know, when you're young, you just kind of think life is just going to be fun. You're going to travel always and forever. Oh, of course, yeah. You'd <laughs> <laughs> never be old, like. You'd never be old. The back would never hurt. I remember coming home thinking, okay, make some money, go traveling again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then we came home and I thought, I better buy a house because, you know, we need to have a base to come and yeah. go from. And, you know, and even then, I feel so privileged now talking about all this. Um, it was easy to get a mortgage and buy a house. Oh, Jesus, yeah. I mean, when we got our first house in around that time as well, 2000 or whenever yeah. it was, like, um, uh, you got you got those letters in the door, like, um, with the word pre-approved. I had to look it up, like, you know, for credit cards, for you can remortgage the house, but it was yeah. right away you've been pre-approved. I was like, what the fuck? Like, you never been pre-approved for anything. But it was it was easy in those days. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I didn't even have a job. I was freelance. Money. Oh, yeah. But you had been pre-approved as well. And that's what we all did. Like, you know, I, we I bought got a three-bedroom cemetery yeah. somewhere. Like, that um, was it. I mean, I, I was single. I was, yeah. you know, I didn't have a job. Yeah. I I was freelance in the film business just waiting for the next job. But I managed to get a mortgage. <laughs> yeah. Impossible. Uh, buy a house. Yeah. yeah. 
it was crazy times and, like yeah. and, and and that's just like for Joey my brother who you know yeah. you know it just seems so impossible because you know there are no houses to buy number yeah. one and yeah. um, you know I don't know what getting a mortgage is like does anybody want a mortgage with the interest rates going up, yeah. up, up, up? Um, but I was lucky I, my yeah. sister helped me she uh, not financially but she kind of pushed me into buy this little yeah. house I didn't, I didn't even look for a house that was it yeah. I said to my mom I wouldn't mind buying a house because you know, we'd have a base and then I can go traveling again and come back. And uh, she just came home one day and said, oh, I was chatting to Mary, what's her name, yeah. in, the, in the supermarket. And oh, her mother died and she has a house. She's a house for sale there. Like, you know, I know she had a couple of, she was after getting a few leaflets in the estate agent. Yeah. You know, she was helping me, something to do with sport. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she said, oh, no, she's a house for sale. Go down and see her. So I, it wasn't even a house that was on the market. I just went down and yeah. saw somebody who was, you know, this is in, in, in Salins and County Kildare, where I'm from. Yeah. Um, who was kind of thinking about selling this house because the mother had died, and then I just went down and yeah. spoke to the guy, you know, shook hands. And it we just, we, we, we just got a, he got a page out of a copy, you know, like yeah. a kid's copy, and just wrote, agreed, you know, deposit of thousand yeah. euro, whatever, yeah. boom, and I bought the house. Yeah. Did you change your lifestyle then with the mortgage right away? Was it like kind of, oh, no, I have to get serious about this because no, the mortgage is no, no, mortgage? No, sure, look, or did you just continue? Because, I just I mean, continued. In 2000 was, was a mad time, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, just look, continued. Look, um, the house prices then went, whoop, yeah. shot up. Yeah, yeah. I got in just on time. Yeah, yeah. It was the big explosion so it was then. really, whoa, if everything goes pear-shaped, I can still sell the house at a profit. Like, uh, well, you know, look. And just continue traveling. The, the, houses went, the house prices went up and then they, you know, yeah, yeah. and then they went down. Yeah, so yeah. I think... It, they went up and then it was worth less than I paid for it and yeah. you know but it didn't really matter to me it was just yeah. you know none was of that ever, negative equity no but I didn't even <laughs> it wasn't even a, a, a you know it wasn't even a sort of something that I, I concerned myself with um, but your mindset didn't change was, overnight with the mortgage no because yeah, uh, well good. I didn't even live in the house really yeah. it just kind of left it there and yeah. it wasn't really livable and I had to I did it up a little bit and my dad came around and helped um, you know clean out the kitchen and we put a little kitchen off a film set in there actually it's still there today yeah. um 25 years later you know it's in it's in bits um but yeah i was working on a tv drama series called anytime now and um you know at the end they were selling the the set so i got the film i got the 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 kitchen off the film set and put it in and um as I say, it's, it's still there. And I just kind of left the house. I rented it out over the years and went back to Dublin. So I, I kind of had it as a bit of security, a bit of a base, but I, I didn't always live in it. Are you actually, thinking about it now, are you actually a collector? I mean, you work on so many different productions. Yeah. Like, would you be the type of person that, I don't know, gets um, Richard Harris's socks? Look, I didn't have the... Or whatever. Come on. Yeah. Back then. I didn't, you know, I didn't sort of, I sort of thought... Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't see the value in that yeah. stuff back then, so I didn't even think about it. I, I don't collect anything. I never had any, yeah, like, you know, no, I just throw shit out, like, but Bernadette, <laughs> Bernadette you know, like, um, she collects stuff from everywhere, like, and, and she's been around the place, like, you know, so her house is full of little knickknacks, like. Well, we used to do, um, at the end of a job, sometimes um, the production would make a little gift yeah. or for the crew or whatever, so I still have some of those, and we'd do uh, a, a cast and crew shot, so I have my cast and crew shot, yeah. although I often wasn't in them, because I was more often than not in the production office, yeah. and then, you know, they'd take the picture on the set, and I wouldn't be there, so I'm not even in a lot of them, but uh, no, I didn't really collect, because it didn't, I kind of... As I said, when you're young, you don't think that yeah. this is not going to be the way later. Yeah. 
you know, you think you're going to travel more. Sure, I haven't gone back. Who could afford to just go traveling for a year and a half, you know? Yeah. But and not work. <laughs> yeah. But you are basically then the link between um, artistry and commerce, in a way. Mm. Like, you're not like the one in front of the camera. No. You are not the one that actually um, gets the money, but mm. you link the two elements um, together, like people yeah. who come from it's various it's angles. Like. Exactly. It's a lot of, I mean, there's a huge amount of organization yeah. and coordination in yeah. putting a crew of like 150 people together. Yeah. So it's really just kind of sourcing the crew and then, you know, organizing all of the travel accommodation and logistics yeah. and schedules yeah. and then distributing the information, making sure everybody's informed, all of the script, script changes, keeping up with, you know, and sort of communicating between, you know, the director and producer yeah. and everybody else. Yeah. And there's a lot of people and there's a lot of, there's a lot of work. And I was just, you know, I was good at it from early, like in production, you either yeah. have it or you don't. Yeah. And, you know, often when I've been running production offices with a crew of people, somebody would come in and they just haven't got it. They just yeah. can't do it. Yeah. It's not their thing, you yeah. know. And other people come in and just naturally be brilliant. Yeah. But I would imagine that your job includes an awful lot of firefighting, sort of in the moment. Yeah. Oh, shit. Now I have to Well, that's it. I mean, it, you know, it is obviously every single day of filming yeah. on a production is costing a lot of money. Yeah. So um, we, we, they can't afford for anything to go wrong. Yeah. So everything has to go smooth and you need to have all of the people and the resources and, and everything you need. And normally the money is there to do that, you know, on uh, particularly on the bigger bit budget ones. Um, but yeah, everything has to go smooth and you need to, you know, you've got your to-do list. Yeah. You try to, as a coordinator, you try to delegate everything to your crew. Sure. And to the, you know, to the assistants and orders and everything to leave yourself free for firefighting because yeah. things do come up that, you know, something's broken on the set, we need something replaced, um, you know, we need somebody to go somewhere, uh, you know, an actor's not feeling well. Yeah, some breaks. Yeah, sure. So you're dealing with, yeah, you're dealing with that stuff and it's really, really busy all day long. Is there a lot that's why I got out of the business, that's why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> and it's funny, when I went from working on, you know, live productions like that, busy production offices and filming every day, yeah. to going into... Uh, Ardon, where it's an organization, um, you know, where we're planning events and, you know, it's a full time job all year round. And we have our couple of key moments, but I don't have to firefight. And it was really nice um, to realize not everything has to be done today because yeah. you're dealing with a lot of the, um, you know, civil servants. <laughs> so you're dealing with like the city and county and government departments and, you know, everybody's on a slightly more go slow <laughs> procedure takes time exactly you know, for better or worse like but is what and what you have done like on the big productions what you've done a lot of babysitting we, of actors and directors and precious people egos you know i would imagine because yeah. it sounds like you have to deal with an awful lot of egos there was a little bit of that um but generally people are just really yeah. nice and professional yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to think there's one I can't name any names of people no, that's, that's but there was one or two actors yeah. where I'd have to show them around you know yeah. the penthouse to make sure everything was fine and yeah. the, you know they'd strut around in the because I, I have a buddy in Berlin like he's a sound engineer okay. and he travels around with uh, 
big productions like you know stage music and um, like rock music and every now and then he has to because it's his job being a sound engineer he has to um, go on tour with um, a pop act yeah. like 20 30 years his junior man, you know? <laughs> and he says it's like when you have a rap group like you know of six oh, yeah. people like it's like babysitting you just have to keep them entertained um, if they're not entertained and you do whatever it takes if they're not entertained they cause havoc no well i mean do you know you're 20 you're a rock star or a hip-hop star like what do you think you're gonna do when you're not entertained like well i could think of one or two things well yeah no it it was never i'm trying to think there was a couple of stars they're normally the younger ones yeah yeah you know there was one i can think of where it was you know she didn't eat sort of anything yeah and it was her birthday and the only thing she wanted Only the red smarties. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Take out the blue M&M's yeah. and go or something. Um, I think what she want, what did she want? Um, strawberries dipped in dark chocolate. A tray of strawberries oh. dipped in dark chocolate for the whole oh. crew. So that was the only thing that she would eat because it was dark chocolate and strawberries and it was, you know, she wasn't eating anything and she was really kind of up and coming in her career, she's a big star now. Yeah. Um, but you know, she was she was pretty precious. And then, you know, had all of the agents and the assistants yeah, kind yeah. of, you know, formulating her career yeah. and making the right decisions and she wouldn't go to this event yeah, or that yeah. event because she was going the following year and like, you know, yeah. they but I suppose, all strategic planning. <laughs> but I suppose when you're young, like, you know, I mean you're impressionable anyway and then you believe your own hype, like yeah. um, you know, in your twenties. If if someone tells me I am the best footballer in the world, like, you know, I, I'm sure to believe it. Like, you know, <laughs> then I make demands as well. Like, whereas as a 30, as a 40, as a 50 year old, like you have a very different take on shit. Like, yeah, uh, big time. I mean, the footballers yeah. with all that money and it's just crackers, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is like, and um, I, I mean, they're on like obscene amounts of money. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? What do they do with it all? <laughs> well, well see that's the thing I had this discussion with Tony actually a couple of weeks ago on the podcast as well do you know when you're a young lad like and you're very good at kicking a ball like mm. and someone throws a million or 10 million or 50 million at you you can't grasp that yeah. you know you you just got used to hairy balls like you know <laughs> you can't even drive a car yet and someone gives you a contract over I don't know an obscene amount of money like um, and you can't drink, you can't yeah. smoke, you can't go partying, you can't exactly. you know, travel. I mean, you're not allowed to. Like, your life is not your own. Yeah. You've got all this money. Yeah, and you have to watch your weight and all this. And I would imagine that um, the biggest chunk of that money is going to someone else. It's not going to the player. Like, you know, when they've been around for 10 years, then they might sign their own contracts with a bit of foresight and, you know, know what they're up against like you know but as a young lad like you know someone gives you a grant a grant is uh, what's it now in what's it now these days 200 pints yeah. that's all you can think like you know? <laughs> <laughs> but no it's crazy um but look football is just so yeah. huge it's a big part of my life as well i'm involved with well i have two sons yeah so they both love football and they're both playing with um Canberra united yeah. It's a great community organization yeah. that has no money whatsoever and there's not even a toilet. Have you ever been up there? No, I haven't. The toilet is bad. Because the girls play in I'm afraid that people tell me don't go in there, so yeah. I believe them. <laughs> it's it's some sort of a compost toilet that they've kind of hashed together with a really dodgy door. And well, they have a couple in. of trees around the place. That'll do. <laughs> I know. Well, I, apparently there has been some evidence around. All right. <laughs> so, uh, well, there's not that many trees actually up yeah. there. There's a wall and there's a, you know, 
the facilities are just so poor um, and there's just you know there's so little money for those kind of yeah. community clubs and then there's these clubs who have so much it seems well, kind of of, well it's a proper business like yeah and obviously that is like Ardon wouldn't be that proper business in in the sense yeah. that um like what you're doing is is really for the sake of the job itself um of the arts and not to cater to egos and to make as much no. money on any production that that you can like because I, i'm sure like the, what you worked on before was all exactly. profit driven it was all profit driven exactly and, and money was no object you know there was yeah. money for everything you know in a lot of those big productions you know we'd have a well-stocked kitchen and a good coffee machine yeah all of that and you know whatever the, the, the stars wanted they got because you know you need to keep them happy and yeah now working for a not-for-profit but we do have a coffee machine <laughs> we have quite a nice coffee machine it's a deal on getting at it's a nice cup of coffee um, it was only when I started working there that I kind of cleaned it out and got it going they were all like thank you so much it's, you know to, uh, for, for getting the coffee machine going but it's a growing organisation it's yeah. really um grown in, in, in recent years and we're just super busy yeah. and it was a really busy day today in the heat um, <laughs> and I was you know it's the annual audit so I'm involved with financial administration yeah. as well there so the brain's a bit fried <laughs> so I might have that glass of beer now actually we must be coming there well I might as well get a beer um, small glass while well, well, I'm getting the beer you have to entertain the microphone now a little bit oh okay I have to um, uh, talk amongst yourselves okay um, yeah well you know don't take long so um, yeah so that's uh, but like funnily enough I, I, I've, I've worked in the film business all my life and then I'm working with Ardon now I did have a break for a number of years where I worked for another arts organisation in Galway um, which gave me my out from the film business which was great um, Called Mocklis, and you know Mocklis, very famous. Yeah, Thirty years, yeah. yeah. So they're a spectacle, very famous spectacle theatre company in Galway, and I had a really fun couple of years there, um, organising and um, the annual Halloween parade, which is the big spectacle in Galway at Halloween. Have they done one since COVID? I don't know if we've done one since COVID. That's loads. Um, the Halloween parade or the Mocklis? It's well, originally Mocklis, I think, used to do a parade, a spectacle parade during the arts festival. Um, but then they changed to doing it at Halloween and it became a kind of a Halloween spectacle. Ah, okay. um, so that was a very fun couple of years. And there was one year where we went um, to Hull. I think was that in 20, that must have been like 2016. or um, We kind of did a big spectacle parade for Hull City of Culture, um, which was a really fun week um, working with community groups over there um, to bring together, you know, a lot of the we brought some performance facilitators, um, a lot of artists and, you know, made the made a lot of the structures here and shipped them over and then worked with community groups for the performance element. And it was a magnificent parade. Um, we worked with a local pyrotechnic company there. Yeah. Um, and it was it was really an amazing experience. And I, I noticed that they're, they are in a, that's one city of culture that seemed to really work. And they have an amazing legacy program. I'm kind of friends with them on social media. And I'm always seeing that uh, an awful lot of arts programs that have continued yeah. in that city in, in Northern England um, after long after the city of culture. We had a bit of an unfortunate city of culture here, and, you know. Oh yeah, COVID. that was the twenty twenty, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, with COVID and then the opening night storm and a few things didn't um. didn't go didn't go to plan, um. But yeah, Mockness was great. I got to meet um, really interesting and talented 
artists and sculptors and welders and costume designers and yeah fabulous people and they're all still my friends so I believe there's a parade coming up this Halloween so looking forward to that no idea what they're going to do but looking forward to it we're still friends well, I've, I've seen the Monkness Parade, was it last year? And um, I was just, I happened to be in town. Um, I, I, I tried to avoid Galway City. Like well, I don't think it was last year. Did they do a parade last year? I think it was last year. Or was it the year before? It was definitely... They've done a few. They did a couple of little, uh, um, we did a couple of little bits um, during 2020, but there was no parade. And I don't know if they did one last year. There was, with the big heads, know. and they, they had Eglinton Street blocked yeah. off. Like there was the parade going around. I'm sure it was last year. Could have been the year before, but it was definitely after the. the I should look time. Yeah, I was just. We were just talking to Owen about that. Where the years go, and the but, time is just you know. But I didn't even know about it, and I ah. just tried to get my car back from Wood Key, and all of a sudden <laughs> I couldn't pass Eglinton Street. Like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, um, that's that's as much as I know about the Monkness Parade. Yeah, but I know a couple of the girls, like Lyle's friends, they they would be involved in the um, in the drumming. I think for the parade. Yes, there's they, a. Obviously, they practice all year round. Like, yeah, they have a drumming troupe that's um, led by Avian Craddock. He, he's an amazing musician out Headford side and um, when you go on the road that's a town you should go to Headford a lot of interesting musicians and performers that live out there for some reason Um, but yeah the um, the Mockness drummers and he has a, he has his own drumming group out there as well but that's uh, you know it, it, the Mockness Parade is an amazing spectacle like yeah. that you know just you know you wouldn't get it anywhere in, in the world um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do this year now when they're back yeah. Well, I'm just glad that um, it's not like um, Siena. We lived in Siena in Italy for um, about two years, or a year and a half, like, and they have the Palio there, you know, this horse race. Wow. I think it's actually one of the opening scenes of the first or second James Bond with uh, Daniel Craig, like, and um, it's all the districts. I think they have 13 districts or something like that. And they practiced the drumming all year round. And we lived smack bang in the middle of Sierra, like, you know, and the noise was infernal. And that goes like, it just basically um, goes up before the Palio, like the, in the month leading up to the Palio, like, and everybody practiced the drums twice a day, like. The poor horses. Pleasant. I'm thinking about the horses. <laughs> uh, never mind the horses. They're doing this for like 10,000 years. I have no idea. Like, I know, but they've always crazy shit up anyway. their ears or something. You lived in Siena, wow. Yeah, that was a strange place. Um, uh, what can I say? Um, we actually, we lived in Liguria for a couple of months. And then um, Annette went to the Palio with some friends that visited her from Ireland, like for the weekend. She came back and said, we're moving to Siena. And there's me with the two little ones, like you know, <laughs> a year and two years old. Like, um, So we moved to Siena and, and lived there for yeah, about a year and a half. Like, um, strange place. I didn't like it too much. It's, it's very I imagine pi- it's very beautiful. It's very picturesque. You land there, wow, it's beautiful. And they, they but you do care. that in the weekend. And after that, it's getting very tedious. Like, they're very cliquish there. Yeah. Um, uh, people from southern Italy are considered to be Africans, like foreign foreigners. Like, um, like I even learned the language, like, you know, and um, it was just not my culture. Like, it was very cliquish. Um, they take five hours to drink a glass of wine mm. <laughs> with their 25-course uh, meal. Like, you know, it just didn't wash with me. Like, and then it got too hot as well during the summer. Like, but uh, yeah, that was Siena. Um, but I'm not 
sour about that we went because um, it would be a lot worse to look back now and say, well, we had the opportunity, we should have gone. Yes, no, of we, course. We went. And, and you're not going to go now, back. you know. Exactly. The girls yeah. don't want to go anywhere, they just want to be with their friends. Yeah, but the drums the were just ridiculous. Like. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That's something I'd like to see. Yeah, they're, they're great in Spain and Italy and these places with their local festivals and yeah, yeah. it can get really loud. Yeah. Where were we in stitches a couple of years back, and there was some local festival, and I, you know, there was all sorts of drums and gunfire and like bangers <laughs> and these tiny little streets in stitches, you know, outside Barcelona, yeah, yeah. and like it was just smoke and fire, and nobody could see it. <laughs> Everybody was caught. It was like, Jesus, what are they doing? It was some pageant, you know? They were just like exploding all of these fireworks and bangers off in the in the streets, and it was kind of crazy, but um. Great to see yeah. as well those festivals. But yeah. no, I mean it's it's cool. Like you know, Galway is, is 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 kind of like Galway city is a kind of an accept a city of an acceptable size for mm. me. Like I mm. don't like the traffic, that's why I try to avoid the place. Mm. But overall, like you know, Galway is a nice city. Like oh, it's um, lovely. Yes, yeah. Dublin would be too big for my liking. Like London, Paris, Berlin. Like you know, I just wouldn't want to live there yeah. anymore. Well, people are saying Dublin is horrible. Like, I don't know. I haven't been to Dublin a lot lately, even though well, I spent all of my twenties yeah. and thirties yeah. in Dublin and loved it. But um, people are saying that it's just a bit. Yeah. Well, look at. I mean, um, I'm knocking on a little bit. I'm a couple of years ahead of you, but do you know when you're twenty, you're twenty five. Like I wouldn't want to live in Canberra. It's as simple as that. Like you know, whereas now in my fifties. I'm glad to be living in Kidvara, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, just the best place on earth. Yeah, like, you're happy yeah. out. You're not missing Berlin too much. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I am old, like I can't party the way I used to. So what's the point living in Berlin or yeah. a place like that, that has all the trimmings? Like, yeah. You know, there's a time and a place for everything, like, you know, mm. and I... I, I, I you probably go back regularly enough as well, just to go. No, I don't. No. I don't fly. Oh, really? I don't fly, no. At all? You don't like flying? No, don't like flying. I had, um, I was flying an awful lot, like, ever since I was a kid, like, and then obviously with, with the work I was doing um, over years, like, I was flying an awful lot, but I was never very comfortable. And eventually I had two, in quick succession, two really bad experiences uh, on a plane, and I'm just done with flying. Like, it's just not worth the anxiety, like, you know, really? leading up to getting yeah. on a plane, like fucking hate it like um so and, and travel i mean I've, I've traveled enough i really feel i've traveled enough like yeah. you know and when we moved the, the move from um berlin to kinvara well back to galway first mm. and then after a couple of weeks we kind of uh, went from galway city then uh, where we have a house um to kinvara and it's uh, no travel is I, I, I'm done with travel and I'm look, not saying I never travel we have again. the weather here now it seems so there's no need to go <laughs> the two days yeah <laughs> oh it's been about a week now we've had like a number of days of 27 degrees yeah and um, my sister's gone off to Spain on her holidays and I'm just like yeah why does anyone you know it's like anytime people are traveling to Spain or Italy on their holidays when it's like 25 27 degrees yeah. here I'm just like why and we did that last year in Portugal and, and Spain, like, you know, in July. Oh, yeah. And I thought, Too hey, hot, yeah. it, it was like you're, you're driving on the motorway, the lovely motorways, and eventually you have to stop for, for petrol, like, and um, you're in a nice air conditioned car. You open the door, it's like someone hitting you with a hammer on the head. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. <laughs> not for me. I anyway. know, it's, 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 I hate it as well. My, I, I go all red 
I'm even red now. I'm still yeah. hot now. <laughs> <laughs> I go all red. My hair goes all fuzzy. And I'm just like, it's not me. I'm too Irish. I'm too freckled and red. And yeah, but this is lovely. Like, and you can bring the dog to the beach, like, to truck. Like, yeah. and there's a bit of a wind blowing. Like, oh, this look. is about perfect. Like, look, we're incredibly yeah. lucky to live here. It's yeah. just such a beautiful little yeah. village. It's so, and, you know, and I'm moving down to yeah. be your neighbour <laughs> that's soon. true actually yeah. as soon as, as Bernadette's floors is, yeah. is, is, is done um, so yeah that's going to yeah. be great too it's going to be nice to be a bit close to the village yeah. and a bit closer to the beach and um, yeah. you know it's been lovely up there yeah. but do you have to uh, do you have to go back then into the office uh, Monday to Friday um, no I, I work from home a bit okay uh, I, yeah. so we do hybrid yeah, 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 yeah. We do the hybrid work model. Which works, like, yeah, for yes. a lot of companies. Oh, like, my God, yeah. it's amazing. That was the one thing we got out of COVID. Yeah. Do, yeah. I, I thought I didn't come to actually say the word. Um, but, you know, it's just amazing. Well, the thing it, that's come out of COVID yeah. is, the, is homeworking. Like, you know, and meetings, yeah. meetings online. You can just have meetings whenever you want. You don't need to. That's technically possible, and you don't have to be present unless you're working yeah. like you physically have to be present like you know to put a block on top of another block yeah. like um for the want of a better comparison like but um no because i mean driving into galway um if you have to do that at eight o'clock in the morning it's just ridiculous yeah. like um oh God, i did i did um mount scribe um air square uh, last sunday night in about uh just over half an hour like you know yeah without breaking the speed limit just nicely cruising because i had to meet annette there and um, that was sunday night uh, you try that on a monday morning tuesday wednesday morning like you know at eight o'clock like it's an hour and a half it's, it's just of, ridiculous like it's kind it's of crackers and it's been like that for years and yeah. nothing changes and yeah. what can they do i don't know they could maybe build a ring road you know there, there, know. there must be some solution um i was thinking uh, you know it'd be really nice if they built something from like new key straight across to like yeah. spittle were turbo you, were <laughs> under you the around? water could go under <laughs> so that we wouldn't have to have a look at it were you around <laughs> for the um in the crazy years like um for the galway races do you remember when the helicopters there were hundreds of helicopters in the air for the galway races and they actually landed outside on the grass patch outside the huntsman no that was absolutely <laughs> insane. Like, uh, like we were having. I'm a trying to think where the grass patch beside the Huntsman is. Is there even right outside there? on the? Is it now? A, is it now a traffic is light it, junction or there was a, a car park there? Yeah, yeah, at the car park outside the car park on the main road, whatever the road is called, like you know where the big roundabout was. Now I think it's just traffic lights. But just outside the Huntsman, there is in front of the car park. There's a grass patch big enough and helicopters were flying in and flying out off to the Galway races like and everybody yeah, that's it you know all the that's a week that I avoid in the city it was absolutely ridiculous yeah. like and I just like that wouldn't be allowed in a civilized country would it be like um so yeah everybody should get helicopters that's <laughs> what I'm saying like no one fly in them either like. oh that was one time it makes me think of a story one time I was um doing some location scanning because I used to do a lot of location scanning yeah for um you know ads and tv series and stuff and i was doing I, I went down to look at some disused f factories down in around kildare and um pulled up to um this uh, it was an old hotel and uh, there was a, there was a, a, a local businessman tommy doher and uh, he said to me oh disused like i know a place i have a place down there in a thigh and i said yeah and he said come on hop in and we'll um like, I was only a young one in my 20s. Hop in and we'll go down and have a look at it. So went out the back. I was thought he was going to give me a, a lift down. Helicopter right there, <laughs> opened the door. 
<laughs> open the door open the door of his helicopter a local businessman you know I was like 22 years old or so I was like oh my god and I, I was kind of thinking I'd never been in a helicopter before and I didn't want to appear sort of oh you know um, afraid or you know that this wasn't kind of something that I was kind of okay with Not so hopped in so he like hopped in and like started it up and I was like jeez it was like a little small helicopter and I was like okay and he goes come on in make it in put, me head, put the headphones on got in the up we went, down from um, Nace County Kildare to Athai County Kildare, over this factory, landed at this completely empty, disused factory from the 1990s. It was an old, I think it was like Maxwell Tapes or something, you yeah. know, one of these people that came in to, 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 to start a factory. It was completely well, disused. Maxwell Tapes were made in Kildare? Uh, uh, well, I don't know, what, I can't remember what the, huh? what the product was, uh, mm. but it was kind of like this massive big, you know, wrecked, disused, abandoned yeah. factory in a Thai County Kildare, walked around it. I was like, okay, took the pictures, hopped back in the helicopter, back to Kildare, and I remember going home, and I was like, I've just been in a helicopter, you know, with a local <laughs> businessman, Tommy Tower, and nobody would believe me, and it was true. Yeah. And I didn't believe it myself, but I, I don't think I've ever been in a helicopter since. That's a bit surreal, <laughs> isn't it? I was never in one. It was totally bad. It was just kind of out of nowhere. I was just invited to go and... Um, you know, for a Wait. spin. <laughs> Bernadette had access to a private jet. Oh, my God. When she was working in Canada and with this company, she was here on the podcast and told the story as well. Like, she had access to a private jet. Oh, my God. I mean, how good could it get, like, you know? Wouldn't mind that. That reminds me of Succession, which was one of my favorite shows yeah, yeah, yeah. of last year. You know, they're well, just so obscenely like wealthy, you know, people just hopping in their private jet to go here and there. <laughs> James, get the jet ready. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's crackers. Oh, sorry, I'm talking too much now. No, you're not talking too much. Yeah. Um, so your current employer doesn't yeah. provide the private jet There's or no the helicopter. There's no helicopters like. or private jets. <laughs> <laughs> and Richard Harris is not it's around a, either. Like, Richard you know. Harris is not around, neither is Mel Street. And so, it's, we're a not-for-profit and um, it's not about the money. So where are the perks? Like, um, you, There's you, none. <laughs> That's what well, come on, like, you are you're lightening up when you when you're talking about this. You really seem to enjoy what you're doing. Like. Um, I yeah, it, you know, I've kind of landed in an organization now where the gang are just really nice. They're good people, mm. which is everything to me when I'm working. Um, because over the course of my life, I haven't always worked with totally sound people. You know, there's been one or two That's sort of life. bullies and sure. um, one That's or two. Life you know, narcissist, so it's, it's, um, but I'm really happy working there now because I'm only there a year. I, I just, re you know, I'm actually only there a year. Feels like longer. But um, they're a really nice group, um, nice people, CEO, Alan, it's lovely, it's just yeah. sound, and um, it's really fair, and, you know, he's really inclusive, everybody feels yeah. part of the team, everyone is valued, and it just makes you love your work more and do better yeah. and work harder. When you feel valued and when you feel like you're, you know, part of the team, um, and it hasn't always been like that, and it's not always like that in the arts. Um, often in 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 the art in the arts, the administrators and the financial people are not seen as the creative, and they're seen as kind of sure. you know, not as important. Um, in in one way to some people, not to everybody, you know. Um, but. In this organization, everybody is, you know, part of the team and everybody is is valued. And it's just, it's a great place to work, yeah. And also, I like working um, in a job that I can have a life outside of the job as well. Yeah. Because for so many years, I worked 
12, 14 hour days of film business, you couldn't you have a life. the job. You just couldn't have a life. Um, you know, you couldn't sign up for a weekly class or, you know, do anything outside of work really because you were always, you know, planning the next job or you're always too busy and it, it, you know the nature of the work be, being freelance is you know it's not consistent so you might be working for yeah. six months and then not working for four months um, and the phone doesn't ring yeah so it was that was tough um after a while um so yeah i like working nine to five um and we have uh, and having the weekends and having time for my children, you know, because I'm a mom as yeah. well. So, and that's my most important job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you have to say that because Otis might eventually uh, play for Ireland, gets the big contract with I don't know Arsenal, Man United, or wherever else there is, and then you can actually sponsor the arts festival. Yeah, like. I, I got really excited because um, so Isaac started his work experience because you know he's going to transition year mm. and. Uh, I said, oh, take them for lunch now just to celebrate um, Isaac starting work. And, you know, because uh, I was really proud of him. And yeah. I said, uh, we'll go for lunch. So we went down to Morns on the Weir, which is lovely to go there. Mm. It's really nice. Just for a starter. I didn't splash out too big. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, it is expensive. Uh, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it was a beautiful sunny day. And it is a nice yeah. spot there by the yeah. river, yeah, the sure. weir. And it's just so lovely. So, um Pulled up there for a late lunch at about three o'clock. It was packed, yeah. packed. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, with this weather. With like, this weather, know, everybody sure. outside. But yeah, I yeah. pulled up in my little 060 Avensis <laughs> uh, behind a Rolls Royce. You seen that Rolls Royce? No, the I didn't. No. <laughs> so I love showing. So I pulled up behind the um, Rolls Royce, and um, it's really funny. I, uh, I, um, it's white leather seats. Nice, you know the Avensis. But I, I, I got a picture. There's my car. There's my car. There's the you're packing right up his ass like he can't get out. <laughs> what are you doing? But I said afterwards, I said to him, so we had a lovely lunch. And afterwards, yeah. I said, Isaac, get a picture of me. I sent this to my sister. This picture of me <laughs> getting into the road. In front of the road. I said, I see my future now that my sons are working. <laughs> what a nice car. Oh, lovely. But uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the luxury you will get accustomed to when Otis plays for Ireland. Like. Um, yes. But so. do, do you actually, uh, just thinking of it now, like, do you actually do just film productions or do you do music productions as well? Well, I did work on a couple of, I worked on the, um, I worked on a couple of music videos. Yeah. You know. Okay, so that's it. No. So, but I didn't work on that. Yeah, I worked on the, uh, I actually... Yeah. While I was working in Mockingside, occasionally I'd dip off and uh, because I was really yeah. only part-time there and do the odd, you know, just for the money, really, to uh, uh, top me up. Um, do the, the other job. I, I did one Hallmark Christmas movie one year when I was working there and I did mm. um, the Ed Sheeran Galway Girl video once as well. All so, right, And yeah. um, years back, I did work on a couple yeah. of shitty music videos over yeah. the years, but no, not haven't worked in the music business, so... Because I, I was, uh, I, I don't know why I'm thinking about this now, watching you and the Rolls Royce there, but um, <laughs> I just, do you know this, I think it's an online magazine, uh, Galway Bail? Oh God, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I they, 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 what is it? they're is good at getting out there because um, they keep popping up on my feed as well, I don't know. Yeah, I, you I think no it's a rag, I think it's a rag, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I say, I actually said... Somebody was saying in work, we need to, you know, advertise in the Goey Advertiser, which yeah. is, you know, respectable 
newspaper and goal yeah. and sport the arts and everything. And I said, what about this goal? It was so funny because yeah. you had the same thought as me. And I said, what about this goal? They were all like, oh, God, no. That's, um, so you wouldn't know what, what it is either, like, because it, it, it pops up on Facebook. There, it like, pops you know, up everywhere. So fair play to them. I think it's, yeah. is it one of those kind of, um, sort of fake news. Uh, I, I don't know. I, don't I know. have no idea, but um, I think it's clickbait stuff. You know, they're well. It is because it's local, like you know. <laughs> yeah. and, um, I only noticed that. The I, I quite like eating that stuff, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so I have clicked into a stories. <laughs> no, see, the thing is, like, um, I don't really do social media, and I live on the internet. Just Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, all that shit, like, you know, mm. just eludes me. Like, um, <laughs> Great. no, I, and I have this, this addictive personality. Once I get into it, like, you know, I probably will never let go of it. Like, but it hasn't grabbed me. I'm not addicted to the mobile phone either. Like, as mm. soon as um, the girls are home, like, you know, I actually switch the bloody thing off. Like, but um, so I, I, I saw this Galway Bear thing there um, maybe two or three weeks ago mm. because the price of a pint and that it's going up again was disgust. And that's the one thing I click on. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm a thing. mean fucker, like, you know, what's yeah. this again now? But still, I mean, the price of a pint just keeps going up and up and up. Yeah, that's not good. And um, particularly for me, like, you know, that really hurts me because I don't really give a shit about the price of a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but, <laughs> or um, shampoo for that Or matter. shampoo for that matter. But the price of a pint is of concern to me.